Hello there. Welcome to the 4Ts podcast, where we talk about touch, time, transparency, teamwork, and how these 4Ts can practically meet the needs of someone who struggles with homosexuality. Today is Saturday, December 3rd, and I am your host, Richard Padilla. I'm here with Stephen Campos, Jeremy Driggs, and Stephen Tancuri. And if you have the chance to listen to our last podcast, Campos, Driggs, and I call my friend Stephen Tancuri Tank, we're both there um, having a conversation with us. Today we are going to talk about touch and how touch is one of the most significant ways a Christian could practically love and meet the intimate needs of someone who is attracted to the same sex. After reading lots of research about the importance of touch in a human's life and going through my own experiences of touch and hearing many stories from my other friends who struggle with homosexuality and how important touch is to them, I realize touch is a really big part of meeting the needs of someone who struggles with homosexuality. That is why it is one of the T's. I think most pastors and straight Christian men don't think about this that much because they experience it through their wives, their kids, through sex. And Christians like me who are single and attracted to the same sex see countless straight Christians who are in romantic relationships engage in this type of um, interaction with another human. Uh, it's, it's through cuddling, making out, hearing them talk about how great sex is, watching a movie and cuddling together. You know, we see, we see this occur all the time and we're over here sitting in the cold asking ourselves, how can we get that? I want that touch. We hear the gay community saying, hey, come here. We can offer that to you. But we want that from our Christian community. But when we go to our Christian community, we feel like they're saying, hey, touch is only for the straights. Go to God for your needs. So when I go to God, it seems like God is saying, hey, Richard, go to my bride for touch. They are my hands and feet. Sometimes I have to respond to God. Hey, they keep telling me to go to you, though. So sort of with this frustration, I end up sometimes saying, screw all of this. I just, I'm just going to go to the gay world for touch. So I see this occurring quite often with some of my Christians who are in the same situation, some of my Christian friends who are in the same situation I am in, and it brings up a lot of pain in us, even single people too. So I want to bring up the topic of touch and how it can literally save the soul of a human from entering into the gay community to find touch. We want to talk, uh, what we talk about may push your ideas and boundaries of touch, but I do assure you it's not sinful, it's not unhealthy, it's just different, but it's really important to us. But before we dive into our thoughts, questions, debates about this, I want to give you I want to give a little context of where some sociologists would say the American male is at in regards to touch. Hey guys, we're here with Jeremy Drake, Stephen Campos, and Stephen Tankery, but we call it Stephen Tankery Tank. We call it Jeremy Jeremy. Jeremy or Driggs. Driggs. And we call it Stephen Campos Campos. Campos. So you get, say hi. Hey hi guys. Everyone. Cool. Well, yeah, so we're going to continue talking about touch, and I want to bring up, I want to sort of tell a, a quick narrative of uh, Americans and touch. There is a sociologist by the name of Jeffrey Grief. He is a professor of social work at the University of Maryland, and in his book, The Buddy System, um, Understanding Male Friendships, he talks about how the sexual revolution in the 60s caused American males to, to sort of distance themselves emotionally and physically because they didn't want to be identified as gay. Because during the sexual revolution is when the, the, the gay movement started, started taking place. And he, he talks about how heterosexual men didn't want to be identified as that. So they began, began to distance themselves. And so he would say the reason why a lot of males today don't experience touch with each other is because we're still affected by uh, sort of that situation that took place in the 60s. So, so you guys, family. let's so you guys, let's talk about sort of our context when it comes to touch. And what I mean by touch is sort of hugs. I don't know what what happens in your guys' families or what you experienced growing up as a kid. Like, did your families kiss you a lot? Your 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 brothers, your fa- your uncles, your father. 
yeah, I, I want to talk about touch in that context right now, and then we'll move on to sort of the next conversation. And I just want to, uh, I think, I think culture is a big part of this discussion. And Campos and I are Hispanic. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy is white and white. Tank. I get confused if you. Some kind of halfsy. Some sort yeah. of halfsy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I grew up in a white very. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, so there's two v two right now, mm-hmm. and so we'll start off with we'll start we'll start off with the the white guys here. Yeah, Jeremy, can you share with us sort of as a, well, what's your family background when it comes uh, to touch? Yeah, growing up, I was in a, I grew up in an Italian family, and uh, Italians are notoriously affectionate and physical with each other, so like we were always giving each other hugs and. I just remember, I remember growing up and like always, always like engaging with my family in that way, my relatives, grandparents, aunts and uncles, mom. And, um, I remember, I remember like distinctly being nervous coming to family parties with my like hair all made up and gel in it and everything when I was little and being like afraid if I come to this family party, they're going to mess up my hair because everybody's going to be touching my head and stuff. So I, that was what I grew up in with my family, but again, once once I got into like middle school, and started to develop like close friendships, I I definitely experienced uh, like a, a distance physically from my friends. There wasn't much like affection, like closeness mm-hmm. with them. There wasn't any any like conscious decision I think we really made together in that, or that I was even aware of. But I I definitely see a distinction between the way I was relating to my family. Yeah, I guess we'll talk about Biola in a little bit, but being at Biola did shape how I related to others and so affected my... you would say from, like, middle school until high school, touch wasn't the most... You guys just weren't as touchy with, with my, each other. With my friends, yeah, there was... Compared a, to your family. Contact. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I see a lot of those needs being met in my family. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah. Tank? Yeah, for me, um, there was definitely never, like, a lack of... But I also don't really remember there being an excess of touch. I mean, I always felt like well, hugs were like definitely a big thing in my family. And I have a huge extended family. Um, and so whenever we'd meet or, or see each other after a long time, like hugs were always definitely like big, not just like kind of side hugs or weak hugs, but like strong hugs. Like mm-hmm. touch was never something that we really strayed away from. Like my mom and dad would kiss me when I was young and stuff like that. And um, I definitely felt like there was affection in my family um, in a touch sense. I didn't really you know, think much of it. Um, but yeah, I would say kind of similar to Jeremy, like I think, especially like college years. We'll skip. And, and yeah, we'll talk about that. But I'm saying Biola definitely shaped a lot of that and changed a lot of that for me as well. Um, or I experienced it in New Orleans <coughs> at Biola. Um, but yeah, so within my within my family growing up, I definitely experienced, I think, healthy touch and there was never a lack of for me. Did your guy, this was a very interesting um, situation. So I went to Jeff Nelson's like nursing graduation pin ceremony yeah and i remember who's jeff nelson jeff nelson's my oh yeah jeff nelson's my roommate from biola really cool kid but i went to his his uh nursing pin ceremony and i remember this it was a white kid he, he went up and his mom and dad greeted him and they were putting the pin on him and the dad kissed him in the lips and i was like what the hell like yeah. i've never seen something like that and i'm just wondering and he's a he was a white guy and so i'm wondering like did you guys ever get kisses from your dad like that and, until, uh, I don't know, I'm just, because I identify that as like, that's a white person thing, not a Hispanic thing, but maybe that's just their unique family. Yeah, I never really experienced that much, the kiss on the mouth. No, neither have uh, I. Well, uh, yeah, it was just very, 
I was just like, oh, that's that's different. Yeah, and I guess we'll go to the yeah campus. Uh, go for um, it. Well, as you mentioned before, I come from a Hispanic background, and I think I fit a little bit more of that Hispanic stereotype where I received a lot. I remember receiving a lot of like hugs and touch and all that from my mom. I, one of my favorite things to do when I was younger was I would lay on the couch on like my mom's lap, and she would just like rub my head. Like that was just my favorite thing for. I'd be watching soccer or whatever, and she would just. And I would do it like every weekend, weeknight, or weekend night. Um, when I was staying up watching a movie or watching some sports or whatever, she would just yeah. rub my head. But um, and then you moved out of the house at eighteen. Yeah, like, mom, I got stop. Yeah. <laughs> and then I uh, yeah had to go find that somewhere else. <laughs> no, but um, uh, yeah, I remember just my mom being very affectionate towards us. Always when we come home, hugs and kisses, strong hugs. Um, but on the other hand. Uh, from my dad and from my uncles and from my male cousins, it was always a firm handshake. I mean, as I grew up a little bit more and I uh, like wasn't seeing my dad as much because I went to college and stuff like that, um, we started doing more side hugs. But before that, it was mostly just, hey, like, just shake your hand or just acknowledge each other or something like that. But I never noticed it was anything, like similar to Tank, I never noticed like a like an absence of that touch. I got it a lot from my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and from, like I said, my mom, my aunts, always hug and kiss kiss on the cheek or something you know when, <coughs> when seeing each other um and in regards to friends it was the same i played club soccer growing up a lot and we didn't we just saw each other maybe three or four times a week so it was always just kind of like the little like slap and crap. yeah, yeah. what is that called knuckle uh, like yeah slap and knuckle i don't know what it's called <coughs> that type of handshake so um but yeah i never really noticed um like an absence of touch but perhaps because it was getting met through other sources or whatever at home but later on in life, like I'm sure everyone else finds out, you start to notice different things about the way you are and all this stuff, and you mm-hmm. think, "Man, I'm missing certain things," or "I'm I'm being a certain way," and uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, you start to learn about yourself and learn why you're that way, and and just a lot of doors open up, a lot of a lot of good and bad doors. Yeah, yeah, of course. Cool, and I, I guess I'll um I'll share about my experience with touch, and then we're gonna transition <clears throat> into sort of our Biola experience because I'm gonna go that direction. Yeah, I grew up in a Hispanic family. I, as a kid, I felt like my parents hugged me and kissed me, especially my mom. Same thing, my mom did that a lot. I, I've never gotten to the side, or the, the part where my dad and I give side hugs. We, you know, we still give hugs, but that's basically it. Uh, as a kid, I went through some sexual abuse, so that definitely affected my experience of touch. And I, and I, I think it, I guess it sparked things in my brain and and I, I just longed for touch from a male because of I think the sexual abuse and sort of it it gave me this idea of pleasure rather than um, platonic touch I didn't understand what platonic t- touch was my whole life because of the sexual abuse but yeah that's growing up as a kid I just remember thinking like oh if, if you hug for too long you're gay you know you can only give a hug for five seconds or maybe seven seconds but then you're like sort of pushing that boundary of I think they're, they're gay because they give a seven second hug so yeah, that was that was very interesting. It wasn't until I went to Bi- Biola did I realize I had a very like a huge lack of touch in my life. There was a there was a friend of mine who I would say was probably one of the closest friends in my life who was very touchy. As I tell the story, I want you guys to think of like questions or something like that mm-hmm. that come up. He uh, so he's very touchy. He 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 knew I was attracted to him. I I, I told him and uh, yeah he. Even though I told him he was just, he wanted touch for me, which I didn't really know how to handle because it, it was weird knowing, oh, this guy knows I'm attracted to him, but he wants touch for me. And that's because he came from a, a background of touch. He was in the sports teams at school and his family's very touchy. And so it was interesting one day when 
Oh, so we you know we would we would play ultimate frisbee a lot here at Biola, and afterwards you know when you when you score score a, a touchdown, I guess I don't know what you call it. Um, you know you do the whole like hug thing, and and he would come and and want a hug from me, and I would sort of push him away because I didn't know how to handle the fact that he wanted touch from me, and I wanted touch from him really bad, but I I'm like oh maybe this is bad, and so one day when he he um he. He hugged me. I pushed him away, and he told me, "Hey, like, just so you know, whenever you do that, I feel hurt by that. I, f- I feel hurt by you doing that because I experienced affirmation from my friends, and and I had to explain to him, like, well, I don't really know how to handle that. Um, and so it was like a continuing conversation. Uh, he was he was also like on the wrestling team in high school, so he would like to wrestle. So like we'll be in the, we'll be you know in the dorms, and all of a sudden I'll be walking. He'll just like tackle me randomly." And I didn't, and I didn't know what to do because I'm not a wrestler, so I'm just sort of like laying there, <laughs> just like not knowing what Feet to do. <laughs> yeah, and and so I, eventually I started trying to learn. I try to learn wrestling moves because I'm like, well, he keeps doing this to me. But as our friendship increased emotionally as well, I I became I longed for a touch from him. I wanted more of it, and I didn't know why yet. Still, um, but his rule was, hey Richard, like I'm gonna treat you how I treat all my other guy friends. So he didn't really have like this. Yeah, he was just treating me like a normal guy, and I just didn't know how to handle that because, like I said earlier, I went through sexual abuse, so my idea of touch had to do with pleasure. All of a sudden, this guy's offering me platonic touch, and I had no clue what to do with it. So sometimes as we're wrestling, um, I remember one time I, I would get like an erection, and it's not because I was like aroused by it. It's because I was being like physically loved by another friend, and I my body just only knows one way of reacting to that. And I remember telling him, like, hey, dude, I, I can't rest right now because I have a boner. And he, he like, I, I don't know what he, he, like, laughed or did something, and then he still wrestled me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, and so it was, just, it was really interesting to experience this type of touch from him. I, as I started learning more about sort of the needs of touch. Oh, so I started going to therapy. I started talking about this with my therapist. And my therapist encouraged me to, to sort of accept touch. And it was just really hard for me because I had this lens that everything I wanted was just gay. And I start realizing, like, that's not true. I, I'm a human who needs touch. And I, I don't have a girlfriend, so I can't get touched through that. And uh, I'm just curious, though. Like, what did that touch mean to you, though? Like, what did... Oh, man, I was one of the guys. I was, like, part of the... I was part of the club. I was part of the team. Yeah, it just felt really nice. Yeah. And what type of things did it, like, affirm or what? When you say, like... Oh, that he just... He, he loved me and that... And, and also, it was cool that he wanted touch from me. So it wasn't about what I was receiving, but, like, he wanted something from me that I didn't think I had. Um, so that was a really big deal. So it, it was just like, I'm just a normal guy, which I wanted, except because of what I went through as a kid and, and just even being Hispanic and not getting a lot of touch from the Hispanic community, all of a sudden this one person was opening this door of touch in my life and, and I didn't realize how needy I was for it. Um, so I want to say as, as we were getting deeper into our friendship, I start realizing, okay, I want more, I want certain, certain aspects of touch from him. And when it, all right. I don't even know if this counts as touch, but one thing I wanted from him was I just wanted to share a bed with him. And I saw like movies growing up and it's like, you know, I see these kids like, oh, they're sharing breads, our friends. And I'm just like, that, that, this looks cool. And it's not like a sexual thing. It, it's a, it's like a closeness thing. And one time I asked him like, Hey, can I, can I, can we, I don't know if I said like, can we cuddle or can we share a bed? And he was like, sure. Um, he was a little weirded out by it, but he, he trusted me and we shared a bed and it felt it felt great. It just felt nice to be close to someone. And it's not even like a sexual thing. It's just like a, it's like a, it's a bro thing, I guess. I don't know if that counts as a bro thing or, but it, it just felt nice to be that close to someone. And, 
And other times I asked him and he said, like, no, not tonight or something like that. And I was okay with it. It, it felt a little awkward, but I had, to, I had to do the part of asking for my needs. And he had to do the part of, hey, am I, am I comfortable with this or not? And I would say the most, the most important or the most significant experience of touch I had with him was when we were laying down. He turned over to me. He put his hand around me. And he said, like, Richard, I, just so you know, I really love you. And then that was it. And that's, I, that's probably one of the most significant experiences of touch I've ever had in my life. There's a study done again with um, some, some psychologists interviewing some, some athletes in Britain. And from, the, from sort of that, that experiment they did with how many men cuddle with each other or have they cuddled with another guy or another teammate, they realize that a lot of younger men are more comfortable with touch now. All that say, like, college now it seems to be a place where a lot of men are more comfortable with each other, and they're, they're okay touching each other, giving hugs, kissing each other sometimes in, joking, in a joking manner. And I want to talk about Biola now because uh, two of you guys were on the soccer team, and I want to sort of talk about, yeah, what you guys experience on the soccer team when it comes to touch. So yeah, yeah, Tank I, and Campus, go for it. And yeah, yeah. If you want to add anything, or I don't know. No, as far as I think soccer, definitely in my experience about being on the soccer team, I think shaped my view of touch the most. And I've kind of seen some interesting trends over my life, just in sports in general. Like I think about even playing on the soccer team at high school. Um, you know, like you said, when you score a goal, like it's like you like go in. Like, oh yeah, that's, in that's one of like my favorite things to see when yeah. when a bunch of. Actually, I was going to say, I, I think that's why I started liking soccer, too, was when I would see someone score a goal, I saw, like, all these guys come yes. together and literally kiss each other and everything. I'm yeah. like, that's awesome. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that because I remember in high school, the, the team that I was on, yeah, we were close. We were close friends. But I remember specifically, like, after someone would score a goal, it would be, like, more of a, like, running back to the half, like, high five, maybe a quick hug, and then, like, start the game again. And But what I experienced at Bile is as I got closer to the guys that I was playing with, like, the physical touch, like, on the field became even more significant and, like, important and intense. Like, mm-hmm. so, I mean, you've seen, like, my senior year at Bella, I think, was one of the closest that we've ever been as a team. And I remember after, almost after every goal, it would be, we're not running back to the half. We're running to the bench, and we're all going to just, like, mob together and, mm-hmm. like, hug each other. And like you said, like, even kiss each other's heads. Like, it was just, like, a moment of, like, excitement. And mm-hmm. something about that touch and being in – like that circle with all your, like your teammates, the guys that you care about, the guys that you're friends with, the guys you've done life with for the past several years, like you're all just celebrating something you've worked for with yeah. touch. And I remember even my junior year when Campos was a senior, we would have this thing where every, anytime I would score, I would run to the bench and we would literally touch chins. Like because I, I had like I, his beard. I had a, I had a chin. I, have a, I, don't know. I have a beard and he doesn't have a beard, so I always go to the bench and I would just give him the chin touch. You know, like that's my cool. I never saw that. No, I, and and that's what I'm saying is like as I got closer with the guys at Biola, because I lived with them and mm-hmm. I did life with them outside of soccer, the closer I got, the more <coughs> intimate and the more important, like, physical touch became for me over my experience at Biola. And so we're now, like, physical touch with guys like Campos and other guys on the team that I've played with is, like, very important to me. And, like, mm-hmm. hugs is, like, it means so much more now that I'm closer to them. And, like, even, like, if we're ever, like, just all watching a movie, like, on couches or something, like, we'll cuddle, you know? Like, and, I, and it's not weird. It's, like, it feels good. Yeah, you know? it does. And it's not in a sexual way, you know, at all. It's just like a, these guys are my friends. Like, I care a lot about them. I love them. They love me. And we're just here together. And we're watching a movie. Yeah, yeah. And it feels good. And it's great, you know. So I think being on the soccer team definitely shaped a lot of that. And that's something I never really got, like, in high school. 
Um, I had a little, I, I would say just the thing that I've experienced the most is that the more intimate I became, the more I knew the person and the better they knew me, the more important touch became. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's just kind of how Biola shaped my experience because in high school, like I played on the soccer team with them, but I didn't like live with them. I didn't do as much life with them. But at Biola, it was like everything <coughs> that I did was with these guys, you know, yeah, so yeah. it became more and more intense. And that's intense. awesome. So, Yeah. What about you, Camden? Yeah, I think um, I think you touched on a really important note that that intimacy that we shared is something that I didn't acknowledge really until after I finished my time at by, uh, on the soccer team, which is kind of a shame. I wish I'd taken it. I mean, I think everyone always wishes they appreciated the, the things they had at the present more than they actually did. But um, yeah, like even like uh, one of the biggest things is like the locker room. I know you talk about that a lot, mm-hmm. um, and it's just. I mean, I, at the time I didn't realize it, but. That's where a lot of the intimacy came from the team. Yeah, we played on the field, we spent hours practicing, but that those close moments behind, mm-hmm. uh, kind of behind closed doors, behind where everyone's not, not anyone's watching, um, in the locker room, dancing naked around uh, yeah. to songs after winning games, uh, singing in the shower, uh, going around and like almost like pretty much wrestling in the shower, like not in a sexual way at all, as we've mentioned, but just like. It's There's just, a vulnerability yeah, there. It's just yeah, like you're just that, there, that you're represents acceptance of you're acknowledging other. the other person as a as a male. You're uh-huh. just affirming them. You're, um, but it's not like you don't go out of your way and think like, how am I going to affirm my teammates today? It's just, it's just what that locker room brings, and that's what I really appreciated about um, playing college soccer. That I had guys who were comfortable and willing to be vulnerable with me. Yeah. At the same time, and like I and like Tank said, it it had its uh, its rewards outside or on the field as well and off the field. So yeah. I think that's a really cool part too. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to you're playing soccer because you want to win. You want to uh, succeed in in uh, your hobbies and all that stuff, or your whatever you're doing. But um, yeah, that intimacy definitely plays a big big role. Yeah, I would even add to that with the locker room. I think is a really interesting point is that, and you might you probably agree with this is that oftentimes when you're on a certain, there are guys who don't feel comfortable showering, mm-hmm. yeah. and when those guys when they because usually what what will happen is after a game or after practice they'll just take their <coughs> stuff and they'll go back to their room to shower. Yeah. And in reality, they, they're, it doesn't feel like they're as much as part of the team yeah. when they don't do that with us. You know, it's like, why won't he, like, shower with us? Like, so it's like, why won't he be naked with me? Exactly. Yeah. And it's almost like that prevents them from being as a part of the team as they could be. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think, Emma, would you yeah. agree that that's kind of the case? Like, yeah, there have been guys the... over the years who wouldn't shower and it's just like, why, why won't they? Like, yeah. No, I, I think that, like, as you mentioned before, that you had, your friend had felt rejected by you when he tried to hug you or whatever. That's how, no, that's the type sure of, way. yeah, that's the type of rejection we felt from them not will, being willing to come together. And, and it really is, and I think this kind of, this term is used pretty loosely, but um, it really does become like a family with the team when you're mm-hmm. that close to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of get, and I'm really uh, sensitive to when people use that word loosely and like, oh, we're a family when I've experienced what it's like to be part of like a non, like biological family yeah. like a soccer team and all that and uh, when someone uses it loosely it really just rubs me it just grinds my gears but well then that's a good I want to so so now that we sort of have a really good idea of how important touches to us and how because they want the family and the, the idea is the church is the church is the most important family you'll ever be a part of I wish we we val, value I can't say that word valued it like that but now how do we bring someone who struggles with same-sex attraction into the environment that you guys have been into, because you guys are in like a, I wouldn't say hyper-masculine environment, but it's, these are guys. We're naked, we're touchy, we're athletic, we are aggressive in, in healthy ways. Um, but now how do we bring someone who 
who is very, or not, how do I say that? Who, to a normal guy, would say, oh, that, that guy's very feminine. I'm not sure if I want to wrestle with him naked in the shower. Yeah. I even, though, even though they're a part of the team, if they're a Christian who shows with this, how do we experience, how do we get to include them into, um, into that environment? I think, honestly, the best way to go about it is, at the end of the day, you have to make them feel loved. Kind of like the situation, I don't know if you want to explain it, with Robbie Rogers. I think that's the perfect mm-hmm. example of what it looks like to include a teammate where, um, I think it, you'd be better off sharing this part because you probably know. Which part? Just the part where he, like, he came out, he came yeah. out as almost uh, Well, so I want to make sure, Robbie Rogers is a, is a gay-affirming athlete, gay-affirming, uh, he, you know, he's for gay marriage, he, he thinks it's okay to be in a gay, well, he, gay relationship, gay. and he is gay, yeah, and he's, he, he, uh, he has a boyfriend, they have a kid, and he's he plays for the LA Galaxy. And he's one of the first in MLS, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he is. I think yeah. he's a, one of the first athletes. First in maybe professional Professionals, professional yeah. yeah. Um, and one of his fears was, will, will, will the team accept him on the team? That In his book, he talks about that, especially the locker room. And surprisingly, the team's very accepting of him. They, they shower with him. They t- ask him questions. And even when t- even they even joke with him, which is I think really cool. Yeah. Um, uh, Donovan posted a picture after Donovan scored a goal, and then uh, I guess he went ran and jumped onto to Robbie Rogers. And there's a picture of Robbie Rogers like hugging him, or you know they're celebrating their goal, but it shows Robbie Rogers hand on his butt. And then D- Donovan posted this picture on Instagram saying, "Hey, like just be careful where you put your hands out. <laughs> put your hands out." It's, it was a, it was a joke. It was a really funny joke. All that I say, like they've accepted. A, accepted him into the team and and what i see is that the church hasn't accepted those who struggle with this into the team first of all the church already has issues with touch i would say like we don't even know how to touch each other well and unless you're in a romantic relationship we we allow people to be very cuddly with each other they they make out with each other you know they do all this stuff where they get to experience that touch but then someone who struggles with this who i would say is who needs touch and it just sometimes to some extent, starving for touch, they're not getting that. Yeah. And if the gay community is saying, hey, come to us, we'll give you that. We'll get, we can give you sex, we can give you a boyfriend, we can give you touch. It's like, if someone's starving, they're going to go where they can get fed. Yeah. yeah. And so, I want to know, how do you guys feel about, how do you feel about this? Like, yeah, how do you guys feel about that? <coughs> like, if someone's attracted to you guys and they want touch from you. Yeah. Well, I have a couple of thoughts about being at Biola. So, like like I said, I had friends growing up in middle school and high school, and we weren't like that touchy, but we were really close. Then I went to Biola, and I saw I saw something that I thought was like really interesting, but I but it made more sense the longer I thought about uh, I thought about this, and you and I had a conversation about touch. Um, it was weird, like at the at the Biola cafeteria, uh, seeing like guys like come up and embrace each other and like be super affectionate with each other, and I always thought like. This is odd because, like, I went to public school and this is wasn't how things went. But a lot of these guys are a lot of these guys are like are not like in a romantic relationship, and the, like the brotherhood and the need for this is like a lot higher for mm-hmm. them without them even being conscious of it. So guys are like really affectionate with each other. So I, something that I saw that I thought was odd at first, I realized is like really cool about yeah. Iola. There's like a uh, guy would say it sarcastically, like, "Wow, like why are all these guys like so?" Like they seem to like they seem to really like be affectionate with each other and like this is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. They seem to like yeah really embrace each other and then like give a high five to a girl, but like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but that but I think that I think that it's it's it was more than just like not um it was more than just like this protect your purity thing that like some guys were doing. It was actually like this is a need, especially in this time of life where hormones are raging and the, yeah. and the desire to connect is there. And there's a so safety I, and there's a safety to actually be that physical yeah. with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a part of like the this the culture at Biola. Mm-hmm. There, there's like a, a deep sense of of, of love and, and ab- like an ability to receive that. So I thought that was really cool. And I was like, I was more like willing, I guess, to be affectionate with my like people on my dorm floor and stuff. And I remember going back home and being with friends. And like, again, I'm really close with my friends from high school still, but going back home and like walking up to them and like yeah, kind of like giving them a massage and stuff. Cause that's like a physical touch is a love language for me. So I would go up and start to massage my friends and it would only take like maybe being with them for like 30 minutes for one of my friends to be like Drake stop touching me (laughs) and I'm like uh yeah okay my bad okay sorry but it was something I was actually like conditioned to experience at at Biola and so I found a lot of like healing from that while I was at Biola yeah they uh they're doing something really well with fostering that community and and like in in a healthy way yeah yeah but at first, I was like taken back by that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that so I and the thing is, I want to make sure this is there's a good distinction here. Biola is different than the church environment, mm-hmm. though. Yeah. Because a lot of a lot of Christians don't obviously get to experience yeah. Biola, mm-hmm. um, or even other Christian universities where that that yeah. is that takes place as well. Um, and I think it's also the 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 thing that you a lot of us are here on campus, so we see each other a lot. It's almost like we're living together in yeah. the same. Yeah. So, a lot of times at church, it's once, twice a week, so mm-hmm. you don't have that intimacy where, like, oh, I, I, I shower near them, or I eat with them every day, or yeah. I, I dine with them, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go to class with them, walk with them, and almost everything you do in, in classes and all that stuff. So I think that's... Yeah, so we, we live very... To some extent, if, if you are not a part of a Christian community like a university, or a, a Christian university, um, America already has issues with individualism. And so if you're living by yourself... And you only get to see your church family what twice, three times a week. Mm-hmm. If you're not a part of, if you're not deeply involved in a church family, like you could end up being very lonely. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I want to come back around. So how how do we how do you guys feel when it when I'm even suggesting like hey, you guys need to touch those who might struggle with this? Mm-hmm. I think um, because it's it's so it was so almost second nature to to me and a lot of the other guys on the team that we don't think like I mentioned before like I don't think like oh I'm how do how can I affirm him how oh, oh. I'm, I'm gonna shower with him. Yeah, yeah. It, it's you have to realize that to them it is it isn't second nature to just do it naturally. Yeah. In a non-sexual way. Well, this is another interesting thing. Um, a lot of guys haven't been given the room to say, "Oh, I want to touch him just because I have affection for him." Instead, it's just like like you say, it's a natural mm-hmm. thing, which is great. But <laughs> someone like me doesn't think, "Oh, it's natural." It's it's actually something I need for them, and I actually have to communicate this to them. So, like Jeremy in the past, I used to tell Jeremy, oh, "Like, please." like hug me a lot or touch me a lot and i've told my other guy friends that know about me hey like i really need this from you but that's not what you you guys don't have to tell each other on the team oh hey can you give me a uh, some touch after i score score a goal or something like that yeah like you guys don't have to communicate that to each other but mm-hmm. like someone like me has to mm-hmm. yeah and so then what happens i'm afraid of what the straight guy on the other end is going to res- like how they're going to respond yeah and so I'm like, yeah, so like, what would you guys do if, if you're wrestling with someone all of a sudden you figure out, oh, shoot, I think this guy has like an erection right now because I'm wrestling with him. How, like, how would you guys feel about those type of situations? Or if someone's just like, hey, 
I, I, I really want you to just feel close to you. Like, what what do you guys think? How do you guys think you respond? Think, or, like, how, how can straight men that are Christian offer this type of, like, touch to someone who struggles with this? Because it's that big of a deal. I think the first thing you need to establish, I don't know if you, what you guys think, but it, it's almost like a safety net for them, for that person to, to say, like, you can come to me and talk about these things and I'm not going to condone you for it. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not going to, you can be vulnerable with me. Once you establish that like safety mm-hmm. net of like, we're allowed to be vulnerable with each other, then we can enter conversation and stuff like that. But without having that even initial conversation, without even bringing it up to them, yeah, I think it, I think it's just, it's almost even awkward to have. Well, it, then, yeah. Then, yeah what, what happens often and it's happened before, that's been the case, I'm sure. And I've seen it before happen on the team or whatever. Um, or something that similar happens and it just it's one of those things that everyone talks about it but not with that person yeah and it's, it's easy for everyone to just say like oh be just say oh hey this oh so and so looked like he had an erection during or the showers today or oh so and so looking this and so and so that and it's usually the same it's like oh that person was a little bit feminine or something something where you could think like oh I, I would have I'm not surprised yeah it's usually the comment or something like that but rather than doing that if we just establish like a safe like just be like I'm not going to go to the... It's, it's hard, too, because there's that line where like, I'm not going to go to him. Hey, are you attracted to someone on the team? Or But that's the thing. Maybe you could be... May, instead of, like... Obviously, you don't you don't have to... Well, you don't need to bring up those questions. But yeah. if you think that, would you be willing to, to go out of your way to offer that? What if that guy is struggling with this and he doesn't want to tell anybody and you know that? Or you, you, you have a sense of... I, I, maybe this might be the case. Would you be willing to go... Step... I, I don't know what's the right terms... Um, Go beyond what you need to. Wait, what am I trying to say? Uh, I think more than more than. Would you take the initiative to go and like, hey, I'm gonna go offer this guy a lot more touch because that's the other thing. You, if you, I would, I would argue that if you give someone touch, you create an environment for them yeah. to trust you. Mm-hmm. But it would it would take you it would take you first to, to sort of be the take the initiative and offer that safe space. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and I think touch could represent that. Yeah, but would you like? Is that is that hard to? I remember no. one time in the car, you told me you're uh, on the on the. On the way to Zion, you said uh, a lot of a lot of what I'm asking for is like too much for yeah. straight guys. It's just and too I think, hard. I think that is the case. I think for a lot of people, um, I think my my initial response as we can dive into like my relationship with you and all that. I think my first response was maybe there's just maybe it's not all of us are made for that. Maybe God didn't make all of us to be able to meet the needs of everyone. I don't meet mm-hmm. the needs of this community and this community, this community, but I meet the needs of this specific group. And God didn't make me to meet the needs of. The homosexual community. Yeah. So you're, what you're asking for is too much from me specifically. Mm-hmm. But I think it that was my position at at least at first, and I realized that's a really selfish position because you're not willing to be flexible in the kingdom of God because there's a lot of different communities and mm-hmm. um, just because it makes you uncomfortable doesn't mean it's not what you're supposed to be doing. A yeah. Lot of times, what is uncomfortable is where God wants you to be, um, in specific situations and all that. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think looking. Or I wish I would have done it before. But now that I'm in this place, yeah, I think I would definitely be able to at least be willing to to try and meet their needs. If I can't, then at least I fail trying. But um, yeah, I think more than anything, I I think our conversation is more of like we we I, we would encourage everyone else. Yeah, and what I mean by touch now is like an affectionate touch. Like Jeremy's very affectionate with me. Like he'll he'll you you know there's all he'll do like the sh- the shoulder thing where you go like this or something like that. Like, uh, Jeremy is very touchy with me, um, and it's nice to know, like, oh, Jeremy cares for me. He's showing, he's showing affection. Like, it's different than just like a hug, like affection. It's like, I can't even explain it. You just like you do things like one. Oh, I, 
magic in his hands. I don't. You just do <laughs> things to someone else's body. That sounds really weird to say. <laughs> to, just to sort of show, like, hey, you mean something to me. Yeah. And like, and again, like you guys, nut, you guys will nut tap each other. Yeah. You, unless you know someone struggles with it, that's not usually what you yeah. do. But you guys are comfortable with each other, so like that's a sign of affection. But what happens when a guy who struggles with that comes around? Mm. Would you still do the same thing? I don't think you've ever nut tapped me since. Oh no, you have. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Well, but do you get my point? Do you get my point? The like where I'm trying to yeah. take the conversation out is like, what are ways we? What are ways you guys would want to or feel comfortable giving touch to someone who struggles with this? Right. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I think the I think the reason why it it becomes like more clear and more formative in our like college years is based on I think the fact that you like have a chance to grow up and become like more of a more aware of who you really are in college and you start to like discover your true self in high school like your only concern is to be accepted by the people around you so it's so hard to like really be the person that you actually are and so at all that to say college like college is is the opportunity or like that period of life at least for us maybe was was a chance to be like okay this is who I am and so and as I embrace like this is who I am, then I can go and step into someone else's need and meet that. And so, so what I what I what I experienced with Richard and what I think a lot of us experience is like, am I willing to like, am I willing to be uncomfortable because I know like exactly who I am? And so mm-hmm. there is a there's certain there's a certain level of like um, self understanding. Oh and, yeah, yeah, okay. And assurance and acceptance of like this is who I am, and if I and if I still feel unsure about myself it's hard to go and meet this need for someone else and so I think that's like that's what we're experiencing like right off the bat it's like uh especially with people and like in, in a vulnerable place like showering together like I, I if I'm not sure who I am if I'm not like if I don't feel fully accepted then I can't go and offer that to somebody else so so that's where I think that's where I think this this like runs into a wall and it's in, in a sense like if you want to meet the needs of these people you have to be sure of yeah of who you are not perfected okay. but like sure of yourself so so the con let's create a context and um I, there's a couple there's 10 guys 10 males they're christian they're they're healthy they know they they know about them they they know they're very introspective they know about their needs and what they want and and they are comfortable with each other when it comes to touch and they understand they, they understand how important touch is um, so they, they're sort of like a team now, right? And they've already sort of passed that stage of self-awareness and they're like, mm-hmm. okay, I need touch as a male. I need touch from my, not just from my wife or girlfriend, but from my guy friends. So now that we have that sort of team of 10, I guess my, my thought is, can these, can this team of 10 offer physical touch now to someone who struggles with same-sex attraction? And, and some of these guys who struggle with this might be attracted to them and say, you three are on that team. How, what, what? How would you guys feel now? Like, take someone comes up, some, some, you're what, 23? 22. 22. tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but some, some, some 18 year old, um, it's my half birthday, comes to oh. you at, comes to you to church, or, you know, at church and comes up to you and you, he confesses that, hey, he struggles with this, whatever. Will it be hard for you to be like, okay, if, if, if touch is something they need, and they might not, they might not even know it. Because that's the other thing. Like, I didn't know I needed touch until I was, like, 21. Mm-hmm. I, it took me, like, three years to realize I need to be okay with the fact that I need touch. 
an 18 year old is not going to know that. And obviously, so you got to be careful with their idea of that. But the thing is, they just don't need it. They're, they don't even know they're starving. And so now that you're 22, turning 23, there's this 18-year-old that comes up to you. How would you feel if you know, like, hey, they're going to need touch, but they don't even know that? Like, what, what type of, what, what does that make, how does that make you feel? Well, I think, so, when I first started to become friends with you, Richard, I remember being on a, like, going to, like, a panel, just, like, something that Viola put on. Um, I don't know if I'm on, Matt, it was Matt Hooper, I don't know if you want me to say his name or not, but Matt Hooper put on a panel, and I remember asking a similar question to this, like, hey, I have a friend who struggles with homosexuality. And Is that about attraction. me? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I remember asking, I was just like, how do I, like, love him, you know? Like, how do I love him? And I remember Matt saying something interesting. It's kind of a lot, very similar to what Jeremy was saying. It's like, you kind of have to own your own stuff, you know? Because oftentimes, if, you're, if you feel uncomfortable with offering touch to someone who struggles with same-sex attraction, I think a lot of it has to do with maybe you're not really comfortable and who you are yet, you know? Um, and there's maybe fears of being violated. Oh, yeah, of course. No, yeah. And there's, all, there's, all, there's more that comes to comes into that. But I think I think I had to realize that kind of owning my own stuff and recognizing that what Richard needs is to just be treated like one of the guys, you know? A friend gave that to you and made you feel like just one of the guys. And I think that's super important for people who struggle with same-sex attractions. When we say, oh, I, you know, I can I can give things to you and I can help you, but I can't. You know, physical touch is not something I can give because, you know, maybe I don't think that you need that. I think all that, all that does is further isolates them. Yeah. It makes them feel like, well, I, I want like phys- I want intimacy and physical touch and not in a sexual way, but these people won't give it to me because yeah. I struggle with same-sex attraction. Uh-huh. And so all it does is drives a wedge further between, I think, yeah. people struggle with this in the church. And so I think treating them like one of the guys and treating them like you would someone who is straight, even if it makes you feel uncomfortable and working through that, I think is really important. Yeah. Yeah, and I think how you guys you guys create that scenario like the people who wouldn't shower with you guys. Mm-hmm. I feel like people like me are guys who want to shower with you guys, but we don't know if we want to be if they want to shower with us. Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. where those guys they they don't know how to handle that, and I'm sure we could. It's very interesting where they're at for us. We're like, would they include us? And I remember one time, uh, I was I was in the car with my friend from Biola, and and I told him like what what would you do if I ever crossed the boundary with touch and, and like I violated you or something? And he said, he responded with, uh, he, uh, he said, um, I think it will harm you more than it will harm me because I don't really care. Now, maybe he would have if that happened, but I was really shocked to hear him say, it's going to harm you more than it will harm me. Mm-hmm. And that felt extremely accepting that, wow, he would even accept me after a violation. Oh, man, that felt like so good. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, another moment of, like, man, this guy really loves me. I don't ever want to cross a boundary. And, and I think a lot of a lot of guys in my position, they don't want to cross boundaries. But at the same time, like, have you, oh, you haven't seen Band of Brothers yet. Mm-hmm. I have. There's a scene at the end. I'm just, it's an important scene where uh, they find a lot of starving people. And the soldiers find, you know, all these people in a the camp. They're starving. And so all the soldiers are like, let's give them bread. Let's give them bread. Let's give them food. And then, you know, they're giving them food and all the starving people are like just taking everything. They're fighting over it. And then a doctor comes around and says, no, we got to take it. We got to take it back from them because they're going to overeat and they're going to they're going to kill themselves. They'll, they'll, their stomach's going to explode. And I think that's sort of the people. That's how people in my position are where we're starving. We'll take touch whenever we can. But if it's not done in a healthy way, then it's we're going to harm our, ourselves. We're going to we're going to become unhealthy in certain areas of our life. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, we need food, though. And. 
I, I like to think the straight guy has the food. And, I, and, and, and what I mean by that, too, is, is I think God has given us each other. Mm-hmm. And whatever is lacking in my life, a woman can't give that to me, but a male can. And this could go into, like, father issues, whatever. You know, people go in. At the end of the day, I'm living with my guy friends, and that's what they can offer me. Yeah. Just, the question is, will my guy friends offer that? Will they let me sleep in the same bed with them? Yeah. Will they let me, as we watch a movie, put my head on, on their shoulder? Or is that too gay? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Because at the end, at, and the bottom line for the four T's, you've touched on this before, but these are like, these are based on like the reality of human needs. Mm-hmm. Not because you struggle, now you have four more needs. It's we're We're talking about like human needs. That's why, that's why we like at this table can share our experiences like as heterosexuals and say, yeah, like I, I've had those needs met in my life mm-hmm. and not say like, oh yeah, I've saw how I've helped you, Richard and my other friends. No, it's like, these are, these are like inherent needs yeah. um, that, that we all have. And like, I, I think that's a really powerful <laughs> analogy of, of meeting those needs. But the, the, the challenge is like, I think the challenge with, with touch is like who's who's the doctor in that analogy that really gets to decide because most of us like would say no like that's not okay like don't give them anything like they're gonna they're they're not gonna they, they don't know how to handle that and we don't want to cause temptation and stuff yeah. and and, or, and, and not think, in a sarcastic way yeah. but they should go to God for yeah. for their needs right we right. we hear that yeah absolutely and so I think I think that's where it becomes tricky because we we want to prescribe. Like what what someone else needs based on what we're comfortable with, not actually like what the, the human needs are. Mm-hmm. Or and and yeah, so that's true. And I think too, when someone realizes, okay, they need touch, but I'm not comfortable to give that. People need to be okay with saying, I just don't feel comfortable giving that. That's true. And maybe I got to work on that. Maybe I got to work on stuff in my life. But instead of saying, hey, what you're asking for it might not be good or something like that, they need to realize, hey, I'm just not comfortable giving touch. And and like I'll I'll bring up my friend when. You know, I asked if I could sleep in the same bed with him. He said, yeah. Another time, he said, no. And I was like, oh, yeah, I slept on the couch. And then the time after that, I asked one more time, and he said, yeah. And I had to be okay with him saying no, and he was okay with me asking. And he was very, he was just very comfortable with me physically because he, mm-hmm. he trusted me. Overall, I think what we're trying to challenge people through this podcast and stuff like that is just to be receptive to, to, the, to that other people have needs as well. And that um, it's just going to be sometimes uncomfortable for us and hard and you don't always have to understand it. One of the quotes you'll read later really discusses how, how dangerous it can be to just have conversations like this, but it's good to have conversations and then to follow them up by being practical about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, um, I, I hope no one thinks that we have all the answers and all the solutions and all that, but we at least mm-hmm. are trying to find the right way to meet the needs of those. Um, and not, not, I think to be clear, it's not just Christians. I think there's mm-hmm. Christians, non-Christians, all different kinds of people who, who have the same or T needs and um, just because they're non-Christians doesn't mean we have to isolate them or not yeah, isolate yeah. them or reach out to them or not the Christians or the Christians should know or the non-Christians don't know so we help them or mm. whatever dialogue you get into at the end of the day we find that these are the essential needs that people have I'm still struggling with that in my own life and having to deal with um, one of my co-workers that I've mentioned to you Richard before yeah. who's um, come out and said he's uh, he's gay affirming and homosexual and all that and I and I'm still trying to find out how how to best deal with that, but how to also make him feel included in mm-hmm. in me being there. What was my what was my text to you when? Uh, do you remember what I first told you when? No. 
when he, he told me, hey, I think one of my coworkers is gay, and I said, oh, that's cool, take him to the spa. <laughs> that was like my first, do you yeah. remember that? That yeah. was, yeah. Um, I, I said, not, not yet, or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you gotta take it easy. Yeah, I gotta take it like, easy. I don't yeah. know. But, but that's the kind of message I hope we're, we're getting through that. Um, wherever it is that you are, you, you're at least open. Yeah, let's have, let's have a, a, a closing, a close, some closing statements then. Um, we'll, well, we're gonna, we'll close with the, the quote I want to end with, but yeah. what would be one thing you guys could tell, if you have one, one encouragement, what would you say to a, a, a Christian who could love someone who struggles with this when it comes to touch? Kind of what I said before is that you have to be willing to put yourself out there. And I think a huge thing is you just got to trust that mm-hmm. that person is not going to, you know, push the boundary or take advantage. Mm-hmm. But also you have to be willing to subject yourself to the possibility of that in order to help them. Yeah. You know, what's a practice and what, what's one practical method of touch you could, you could say, give them hugs. I think hugs are important. I think, Give them hugs. And then when you when you asked me, say an 18-year-old came to me and shared with me that he struggles with this, I think the first thing I would do is I would give him a hug. I think mm-hmm. that would be my first step. Do you remember mm-hmm. in, camp, in camp, I would go to you a lot and be like, Tink, I need a hug. Yeah. Yeah. I cool. think hugs are, hugs are important. Jeremy? To take that like one step further, I think you need to uh, really be uh, sure of yourself so that when you do like go and try to love somebody, that you like press through some of their fear. Like, I, I've experienced this a lot, even still, I think, with Rich, like like what Rich was saying, with not not really being sure how to experience, like, touch because of everything in the past and because of the mm-hmm. way he was just, like, always equated physical touch with, like, sexual arousal. So for Rich, there's, like, there's still, like, boundaries or um, what's obstacles that keep him from, like, embracing it. But, like, I, I realized, like, oh, I have to really try to give... Richard, like, a long hug. Like, I actually have to, like, try to hold him in because he wants to, like, squirm and yeah. roll away. Which is funny because Richard's so, like, so sh- sure of this stuff, but it's so hard for him still to embrace. And so uh, because I trust Richard, I'm going to try to, like, actually give him a hug and not let him, like, wiggle away sometimes. And so there's a, there's a level of persistence here that I think we need to have, too. Yeah, and what's, what's one method of... What's a, a practical me- practical method of touch? You would say, um, hold them longer. Yeah, like okay. <laughs> don't pass that five second rule. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think yeah, yeah. Don't don't let them wiggle away. And yeah, uh, mine's more of like a little a more of a bolder statement. I think we need to, um, if we're gonna fulfill our role as a church, we have to fulfill it in more than more aspects than just at the intellectual level. We have to fin- fulfill it at the practical level, of the everyday mm-hmm. level. Um, in our workplace, in our homes, with our friends, in our teams, or whatever activities we're involved in, whatever communities we're involved in, at the end of the day, it is a problem that, it's, it's a problem in the hands of the church because it's the church's problem. Mm-hmm. I think we need to be the church and, and meet the needs of others. And this is just one topic, there's hundreds of them that, that I'm sure the church can be challenged by, mm-hmm. but since we're talking about touch, I think each one of us individually is the church, together you know mm-hmm. and yeah that's that would be my one encouragement because our purpose here on on earth is to seek the new kingdom and, and live that way so and what, what would be one method of of touch that you could encourage others to do physical activity i think playing sports running doing anything like that with another person even if you're just mm-hmm. run yeah. up to them and tackle them from behind like your friend would do in the middle of a hallway or whatever that, that type of stuff really makes a person feel included. And if they're, they're a stranger, mm-hmm. even more, just tackle them from behind. Yeah, especially yeah. strangers. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then uh, I, I would say if you're someone who struggles with this, be open to the fact that there are men out there that will engage with you when it comes to touch. They, they will give you hugs. They will treat you like a normal guy. And as Jeremy said, it, it's hard for me. Even though I'm very confident that touch is that important, I still have this question. Does he trust me? Does he want to give me this? Does he really like me? Do I smell? Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> Always. Yeah, yeah. So, so oh, my God. Um, yeah, just, just trust trust the, the Christian man to, to give you that touch. And you're going to have to ask for it. They might and they might be comfortable uncomfortable with it, but I would say majority of men. I think I think really good solid Christian men will give you that touch, but you're gonna have to discuss that and and don't be afraid to have that tension. So if you struggle with this, please do not run from touch, but embrace it, and and ask them for it. Um, we're gonna close out with one quote that I think is amazing. Who wants someone want to read it? I can do it. Okay, cool. So this is really cool. Yeah, just read that. So just I think this is an amazing quote from. Um, uh, a guy who went to Biola during his undergrad years. He is now a professor. Um, I think he's a professor of art. I forgot what school he uh, he teaches at. But uh, he wrote a book called um, uh, A Bigger World Yet, Faith, Brotherhood, and Same-Sex Needs. It's uh, The author's name is Tim Turman. And uh, here you go. <clears throat> it says, Many men who have high same-sex needs eventually decide being in the gay lifestyle is better than being in the church because in the gay life, you go, to, you go into a bar and everyone hugs and kisses you. When you go to a church, you don't get hugged and kissed by anyone. Some of them, the more artistic, the more politically astute, or maybe the more sensitive ones will do it. <clears throat> Christians are talking heads or praying heads. They can't get down to where you really need to be. Your skin is your largest organ in your body, and they're afraid of it. They're afraid to touch. They're afraid to love. They're afraid to sacrifice, afraid to get messy. Oh, my God. What do you mean it's going to take 10 years for you to get better? I don't have that kind of time. So the gay life appears to be a whole lot more love, acceptance, and laughter. 